Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and you know, I'm going to forego the preliminaries. I'll mention all of the preliminaries throughout the program. Stay tuned uh, so that you can find out who we are, where we are, why we are, and so forth, and how you can be a part. But right now, we're going to jump right into uh, our conversation with our very special guest here on the program. Her name is Kelly McDonald. She's considered one of the nation's top experts in diversity, equity, and inclusion, or D-E-and-I. Leadership, marketing, and sales to people not like you. Consumer trends, as well as uh, leveraging the consumer experience. Don't you need a fulcrum or something like that to leverage (laughs) stuff? I can't. Kelly, welcome to the program. Thanks, Richard. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. And I think our conversation is uh, going to be very, very interesting because you have, first of all, you've written quite a number of uh, books. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to share with our listeners some of your best-selling books. It's time to talk about race at work. Not afraid to talk about that here. How to work with a lead, how to work with and lead people not like you, how to market to people not like you. I see a theme there somewhere. You do? You do. Uh, crafting <laughs> the customer experience for people not like you. Um, and you know what just flashed in my mind? And just so you know, the universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. I'm the universe mouthpiece, okay? Sure. But the what conduit. came to mind was this, this, this whole thing with... Um, I'm going to use the example. I don't remember the names, the exact titles, what have you, but you'll remember this from the news. Um, a um, a baker was mm-hmm. asked to bake a cake, a wedding cake for a gay couple. Um, right here in Colorado, where I am. There you are. And I'm sitting here going, and of course, because it went against their moral fiber, their beliefs. And again, I'm not arguing whether their beliefs are right or wrong. They're what they are. They have every right to them. Right. But what struck me was the question that came to my mind when I first heard the story was, well, then what the hell are you in business for? And I'm not talking about to serve a specific group or, or, or class or what have you. I'm saying, aren't you in business to make money? Aren't you in business to serve? Uh, and and that was the first thing that struck me uh, when I first heard that story. And apparently uh, the courts, I think it all went all the way to the Supreme Court. I don't know recall. Uh, and the court said, hey, you can serve whoever you want. And it really came down to this. The sign that we often see in stores and restaurants when you before you walk in, it's no shoes, no shirt. No service, which means that a private company can decide who they serve, who mm-hmm. they decide to, to uh, uh, do. Not uh, serve. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's entirely up to them. And the same argument when you talk about social media companies that are private and people say, well, you're violating my First Amendment rights. No, they're not. They're a private company. They can do whatever right. they want. Correct. So th- let's kind of start there. Uh, not specifically with that example, but with that mindset of companies that are accused of this, that, and the other thing because they won't serve. And I'm not taking their side or anybody's side, but this is just for the beginning part of our conversation. Sure. Hey, 
I don't have to have you on my program. I can have anybody I want right. uh, who is in opposition to you and so on and so right. on and so on. Absolutely. But this program is here to provide information, to give people choices and knowledge of those choices that make their dreams come true. So and maybe a different perspective. Let's dive into that. All right. So um, in the case of the Baker in Colorado, the issue, I mean, a lot of organizations and businesses have a sign that says we refuse or we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's a, a posted sign. I think the intent behind that sign, though, was if somebody is being belligerent, harassing your employees, you know, using vulgarity, harassing other customers, all that kind of stuff, toss them out, right? That's the idea. Mm -hmm. And that's where that sign came from. And then it was also conflated with personal beliefs. Like you said, ideology, your own personal beliefs. The slippery slope on this though, and I think where the controversy came in is, well, if I can refuse to do business with a gay couple, then what's to stop me from doing business with someone who's black? or someone who's Muslim or, or someone, someone who's a Republican or Democrat. Exactly. I, I just, it's against my beliefs to let's say, talk to that person or, or blonde hair. Correct. And so <laughs> that was the slippery slope though. And that's why it went all the way to the Supreme court because it becomes, well, what defines your personal beliefs? I mean, if you're a white supremacist, you totally don't want to serve anybody who's not white, you know, I mean, and so, and yet we have laws that protect that anti-discrimination laws. And so that is where um, the big kerfuffle, you know, came from. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was a complicated, well, I don't think it was that complicated, but that's what the complexity of is and when it went, why it went all the way to the Supreme Court. It's balancing what does a private business owner, what are their rights, you know, what can they do and what, what can't they do versus our our guaranteed rights of non-discrimination, you know? I mean, I'm in a hotel room right now. And what if I walked into the hotel uh, yesterday and I said, hi, I have a reservation. And they said, oh, you're a woman, sorry. We don't yeah. do that anymore. <laughs> you know? I, mean, <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, you can take it way too far. And so mm -hmm. that's where that stood. And it's 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 really unfortunate in from the from this standpoint, as as I observe it, uh, that uh, someone would hold such stringent restrictive yeah restrictive mm -hmm. beliefs that would literally cut them off from uh, a monetary source. I, I, I'm going to share something with you real quick here. Back when I was working, and this is interesting, when I was working back in the 80s and early 90s for a <clears throat> Christian radio station, I say that because it was more my the, the general manager wanted to call it balanced Bible teaching. And I'm going, uh, no, it's not. It's diverse. It's unique, but it ain't balanced mm. because everybody had their own perspective. And some of them right. contradicted one another. Well, right. there was a <clears throat> there was a program. There was a commercial that we uh, we were running. An advertiser came to us and said, we would like for you to uh, run these commercials. They're, they're promoting these uh <clears throat> these animated uh, uh, Bible uh, videos, animated uh, Bible teachings, you know, the different okay. stories that you'll find. Mm -hmm. Well, many of the animators were from Disney. Mm -hmm. No problem, really. But somebody had done a deep dive, and this was back in the 80s, early 90s. When there was no way to do a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, but they managed to do it. 
found out that some of the people who were animators were also members of the Mormon Church, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Saints. Right. Mm -hmm. It's easier for you to say than me. I lived next door to a family of Mormons. My family was Catholic. They were Mormon. I didn't find out about uh, the kerfuffle between the Catholics and the Mormons until after I had left my parents' house at 21. We had no problems. We played. There was no big deal. They didn't call us the great Satan or or the whore of Babylon. They were your neighbors. So there I am, uh, and I get a call from an individual who's sharing this information with me and says, how can you run those commercials? Because, you know, people, when they go to the kiosks and they buy those videos, their mo- part of their money is going to the Mormon church, which is not Christian, blah, 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 blah. And I said, hey, you know what? Hold on, back up. Let me do some research. Let me check into this. Now, I, of course, checked with my boss. I said, yeah, go ahead, f- figure it out. What my boss did not know was that I also was a deep diver. I took a month to research this thing. Oh my, yeah. And when it came back, uh, A, it was true that some of these people, some of the animators who were from Disney or with Disney were Mormons. All right. I didn't have a problem with it. However, when I called this person back to confirm what they said, I said, okay, now before we, first of all, I'm going to tell you, we're not doing anything. We're going to continue to run the commercials because we don't have a problem with that as far right. as the radio station. It's the content that matters, isn't it? It is the content. I said, but here's, here's your dilemma caller. How do you know that the monies that you earn haven't come from a non-Christian organization? How do you know they didn't come from a white supremacist group? How do you know they didn't come from uh, a Jewish back, group, a, a Jewish group, a uh, yeah. satanic group, a gay group, uh, this group, that whatever you don't, whatever you don't cotton to, it comes from there. How do you know that? And how do you know that some of the money that you are spending on things at the grocery store, the department right. store, at the gas station, wherever isn't going to some of these same groups. How are you going to? And, and then I, I, well, then I, I remember that. there yeah. was a great 60 minutes piece on this in terms of the money. And we're talking now the currency that I found fascinating. And basically because back in the eighties, early nineties, cocaine was such a big deal. And then of course the it's Iran everywhere. Contra thing and this and that and the other, yeah. and they did, uh, they did uh, uh, lab testing. They gathered uh, up money paper money specifically from all different sources, including financial institutions. And they had all of it tested. Every single piece of paper money had traces of cocaine on it. I never heard about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, so what that basically says is you have no idea where your money came from and you don't know where your money's going. So and how it circulates and, to everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and of course that kind of shut this person up and I, but I just thought, my Lord, you, if you want to go off the grid, you better get rid of everything that is associated with anybody else. And that's impossible to do because you are associated with everybody else. So this takes us to our and next. Also, co- what makes go that ahead, person please. right? <clears throat> What True. makes that person right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's their perspective. Sure. They're entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. But 
who or ordained them to be the person who's right by which well, all your decisions are going to be made exactly exactly right yeah it's it's uh, again another one of those slippery slopes mm-hmm. and 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 people this is one of the things that i try to do on this program not necessarily uh, on a regular basis but it's, it's sort of what i do is i'm not here to say my position my opinion my observations are correct i uh, share these observations to hopefully get people to start thinking. Right. Do you understand that the logic that you are using to justify your position, which you are entitled to, as you've already stated, absolutely, even if it's flawed logic, <laughs> you may want to rethink that because it doesn't right. make any sense. And and I even go to again. I'm going to go into this because, and I'm going to keep it apolitical. Okay, okay, I'm not please. going to politics here. <clears throat> On the 15th of June, 2015, this guy came rolling down this escalator and has a news conference and he starts saying stuff. And I'm listening for a few moments before I turn it off saying, no, I don't want him in the head job. I don't want a bully. Okay. Had nothing to do with politics. I don't want a bully. And then I would ask business leaders once this person was in that position, I said, you know, the personality. If you had an employee who behaved that way, who spoke that way to fellow employees, as well as you and customers, would you keep him honest? Oh, no, I'd fire him right away. Then why would you put him in that position? It made no sense to me. That's where I come in with, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. My position is irrelevant. I'm saying you might want to rethink your logic. You might want to consider that the sky might be blue to me and purple to you, and that's fine. But how did you how did you come to the conclusion that it's purple? Because there's this this what is it a social agreement that we've all come to that, for example, the blouse you're wearing. What color is that? I think it's pink. All right, I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to agree with you. It's pink. Now, those of you not watching the YouTube video, you have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) But (laughs) But she and I, we have, we adhered, so to speak, we've, you know, uh, not necessarily uh, conspiratorially agreed that the color of her blouse is pink. All right. But I could say, no, 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 I disagree. It's yellow. I'm entitled to my opinion. In fact, in fact, that's one of the premises of, you know, tell me how you see it, right? So, like, I, I, I don't always want to go to battle with people if, if I have a different point of view. They're entitled mm-hmm. to their perspective and all that. Yeah. But I always want to find out more and say, tell me, tell me how you, excuse me, tell me why you think that, or tell me what's behind that, or tell mm-hmm. me how you see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And in fact, people can see colors differently. You know, my, my IT guy is colorblind and the only actual color that he can see is orange. So he dresses in almost all orange, like his sneakers are orange and his shirts are orange and stuff. But the reality is I don't know what this blouse would look like to him. I don't know. And I don't know what it would look like, uh, Richard, to somebody who's wearing tinted sunglasses. I mean, I don't know. So it's my, it's like, tell me how you see it. Yeah. I don't have to be right about this. To me, it's pink. You know, they say they, the old saying about, you know, don't judge someone until you walked a mile in their shoes or if you want to use it from the Native American perspective in in their moccasins. Yeah. I say uh, I'll add to that, uh, you know, don't don't judge someone until you've uh, worn their 
glasses or or mm-hmm. looked through their eyes their lens yeah their lens exactly let's talk a little bit here as we continue i want to let our listeners know this of course is tell me your story i'm richard dugan and i am here with with kelly mcdonald and uh, i want to share a little bit more about kelly here and that is that uh <clears throat> pardon me i i get these frogs uh, in my throat kelly is a certified a virtual speaker, which um, uh, independently um, verifies through eSpeak that a professional speaker has the right to, <clears throat> pardon me, to equipment, the right, uh, she has, uh, she has the right equipment, the right environment, and the right skill level to deliver an amazing virtual experience for every customer. And when you do that, how do you start the conversation now? And I don't, I don't know if you, how well, you know, your audience from the get go, but well. uh, okay. So, it's you know, your audience. Job. Well, so once you've been able to determine the, the I don't know if I want to say the mindset, the perspective of that individual, how do you start that conversation, which, for, you know, as I said before, I'm not afraid to go down these roads because, right. again, we're just we're just talking here. We're not yep. spewing truth. We're not saying this is the truth and nothing but the truth. Right. These are our observations, our perspectives, perceptions. But how do you start that conversation? Well, let me just back up one second about the certified virtual speaker. So my job, I'm a full time professional speaker and actually. Uh, you know, I do about 75, 80 engagements a year, and I would say 60 of those are live. You know, I go to a conference in Orlando or whatever, and I'm speaking to, uh, you know, the Bankers Association or Blue Cross Blue Shield or, you know, pick a large company or a large association or organization. So m- most of the time the audience is live. The virtual certification became very important during COVID when there were no live events. And so it's part of my creds now because now that COVID has the the high risk of COVID has largely passed um, and events are back in uh, back in, you know, Mm -hmm. high demand. A lot of organizations found that doing virtual events with um, their employees and, you know, their customers were very effective and very cost efficient. So that's a big part of what I do now, too. But when I am hired to speak for an organization, my client, the person who hires me, gives me a very extensive download of why they hired me, who's in the audience, what they care about, what their concerns are, and what they want to learn. Because nobody, uh, you know, I'm not a professional sports athlete or anything like that. There's those kind of celebrity speakers, and they'll tell you their story about how they got into the NFL or, you know, won the Nobel Peace Prize or something like that. But Mm -hmm. I'm a business topic speaker. So what I do is I teach people the skills that they need to be more effective, whether that's in customer experience, whether that's in marketing, whether that's in leadership, etc. So the the helpful part for me is knowing going in what my audience either lacks or is struggling with. And this information comes to me from usually my clients, and that's the reason they hired me. But then I also do a lot of research on top of that to find out what is the industry pressure that they're facing, right? Mm -hmm. So For example, if you're in the real estate industry right now, you're looking at interest rates that are cruising around 8%. So that changes the picture of people's ability to buy a home in many, many ways. That has nothing to do with the realtor themselves. It has to do with the environment in which they're working and things that they cannot control. So that would be something that I would, you know, talk with them about and maybe teach them some skills about how to 
how to maneuver around that. I mean, you can't get around interest rates, but you can work with your clients in other ways, et cetera. So what I, what I do is solve problems and I teach applicable skills. People often know the why of what they're dealing with, Richard, but they don't know the how. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you take DE&I and so many companies have done and organizations have done a fine, fine job of sharing with their organizations and their employees why this is an important topic, you know, and how we got here. That's a very important topic. And what I find is people are like, yeah, I get it. You know, I, we got to do better. We got to do better and be better. But what they don't know is how. What does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? What am I, you know, Cindy in the accounting department supposed to do? <laughs> and so that's, I think, where the value of what I do comes into play. Yeah, Cindy needs to get back to work is what Cindy needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy is scrolling all day long on, uh, you know, uh, on, on websites about how to, how to. But. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I have to say that I know that there are a lot of people who are just... They are so upset with what the lockdown did to us and on and on and on. And I'm sitting here going, you know, I think you need to get over it because it happened. All right. We need to deal with the aftermath, if you will. Mm -hmm. And end of story. OK, just you need to move on. All May right? I just... offer an alternative perspective, Richard? Right. Because no, I'm sorry. My perspective. No, go ahead. <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. That's right. I actually am going to um, quote this because I and I, I should be able to source it, but I can't think of it offhand. That's right. I read an article that's that framed it so beautifully. And it said, post COVID, we are enduring, but we're not recovering. And I thought, bam, there mm. it is. Right. Like we're soldiering on. We're enduring. We're not, you know, laying in the fetal position in the corner crying about it. Yeah. We're, but we're not the same, you know, it no. changed us. And I feel like that was a very well-phrased observation. You know, we're enduring, yeah. but we're not recovering. And I think that that's one of the things, I mean, I get it, the whole, like, get over it. it you know, we were all in that together and we're all largely out of it. And at least the worst part of it and the high mm -hmm. danger part. But we're not the same. No, you know, no, we're, we're changed. And, yeah, and I want to I, I, go I ahead. Don't go know ahead, please. That, like children who miss some big socialization skills by not going to school live. I don't know how they get those years back or. They, well, uh, and see, that's the other thing, too, is they don't. OK, yeah. as you just quoted, you said the quote, we we uh, endure. Um, but we're not recovering, but we're not recovering. But mm -hmm. I do believe that by the enduring we do recover to a place where uh, where we we will be. OK, it, we can't go back to what people call the normal. OK, or there isn't the that, new... that doesn't exist anymore. No, no, it doesn't. It's the but new then, abnormal. <laughs> but, but here's one phrase that I want to throw out before uh, uh, as we are going here. I want to throw this out there. Change is the only constant in the universe. And to that end, let me just add, and I, I quote this gentleman all the time because he's one of my favorite artists. You were living in a state where he made his home. Mm -hmm. John Denver said in one of his songs, which I quote a lot of his songs because I, I still listen to his music to this day, Changes somehow frighten me. Still, I have to smile. It turns me on to think of growing old. 
Now, I still feel that way, and I'm 63, and my dad made it to almost to 92, but I'm going to surpass him, I'm hoping, by eight yeah, plus are. years. I feel it. Um, but the thing that I think people are are missing in all of this is, yeah, it was a horrific two, three years, however you want to calculate it and so forth, but the reality is, even if that hadn't happened, something else would have happened, and we have already changed. We're constantly changing as we always do here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan along with Kelly McDonald and change is in the air, Kelly. And I am am a firm believer that until we, because we haven't, and that's why I say until we do this, um, we're going to continue to go on this roller coaster that we've been on um because of or in spite of um what went on from 2020 to 2022 or 23 uh, and and complaining and moaning and groaning uh and i even said this in the midst of it all i said you know covid's nothing because of, of kind of what you were talking about especially with our school kids the biggest pandemic is coming a bigger one than the uh coronavirus what do the you bigger know? one Tell is us. mental health and wellness hallelujah Hallelujah. but here's the plus now the people say oh my god that's horrible no it's not because guess what guess what we're talking about it we are getting in with us richard it's it's always always been been there but now we're talking about it i'm in therapy this program i've said this for 15 16 years this is my therapy too Mm -hmm. All right. I have a therapist who doesn't. And I will tell you that even if you don't have a professional therapist, you still do. You have your friends, you have your family. My mother, I still talk with her. She's 89 this year. And, uh, um, and, and I was talking with her about a specific situation and she says, Richard, it's not the death knell. You're not going to die. I have two other sisters who are dealing with the same issue and they've been living for decades just fine so just relax, just calm down. Everything's going to be just fine. And and there's a solidarity with people who struggle with depression, anxiety, mental illness, all that kind of stuff, because we are finally talking about it. And so they don't feel so alone. They're like, wow, okay, I'm not the only one. Other people feel this way too. I think it's a very positive thing that we're talking about it. It's always been there. And it's... You know, it it it's, it used to be stigmatized, and I don't think it should yes. be stigmatized at all. It's part of the human condition. Yes, and I have to say that's one of the beautiful things about when things happen, when there is change, is now we're talking about it, and whether it's whether it's what we're talking about now in terms of um, the lockdown, and it was global, and I I take umbrage, hard. I take umbrage with people who say it was a conspiracy. This was done on purpose. And I'm thinking, really? Who you organized just, a global conspiracy? A global like, conspiracy. You know, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm just saying it's just kind of unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the whole controversy over getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated. They're putting nanites in your bloodstream with the vax. They're, they're, there's a little chip in there that they'll be able to track you. When they said that, I'm going, are you nuts? You're carrying on a carrying a bigger chip around so they can track you. It's called your well, phone. I don't want to pile onto this or, or make fun of anyone, but 
Um, here in Denver, we have an amazing light rail system and I take it all the time to the airport. It's just way better than sitting in traffic and, you know, missing your flight or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the train one day and I can't help but overhear two women who are sitting across from me and talking and they're standing, you know, they're sitting there with their phones and they're like reading the news or whatever. And one of them starts talking about Tesla. And she said, you know, they say that they make cars, but they really don't. And I'm thinking, well, sorry, what's the Tesla I'm looking at right now? But anyway, but then she said, I, so I was very fascinated. I was eavesdropping and she said, you know, they're really not making cars. That's just a cover because what they're doing in the back of the factory. So I'm like, okay, wow, you were there? What? I don't know. What they're doing in the back of the factory is they're making chips that they can track us with. And I'm thinking, and all the time she's holding a phone. And I'm like, if you have a phone, you're being tracked. I mean, what do you think GPS is? And just the, you know, to your point about just the, the blind acceptance of weird things like that without your logic kicking in and going. So as you're complaining about the fact that you, somebody might be tracking you, you're actually reading about it on this device that tracks us at all times. (laughs) And then there's a, there's also from a, a more, um, I'm going to say I'm using the word religious to to talk about organized religion, uh, not spiritual or metaphysical, which is where I like to go mostly. Um, You have two, uh, I'll call them different belief systems. And one of them is considered to be bizarre science fiction and out and out uh, wrong. Okay. And then there's another one that is just widely accepted. It's the truth. It is the way that it is. And they are in the same order. Scientology founded by L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. And then you also have Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going, who are you to throw stones? Because if you believe in, and, and again, I'm not, I, I just, this is an observation, ladies and gentlemen, right. Right. if you believe in a burning bush and you believe in uh, the flood that wiped out every human being, except those on the ark and you believe and savior in a virgin birth, mm-hmm. but you don't believe that there's going to be a spaceship that's going to be coming for us. And these people believe this and that and the other thing. Wait a minute. Who are you to cast stones? Because yours is, from from one perspective, yours is just as bizarre as theirs, you know? Certainly. In the same way that many uh, Christians or non-Christians will look at, um, you know, Islam and say, really, they believe in 72 virgins are waiting for them when they die? Yeah. And, 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 and that can seem bizarre to someone who doesn't believe that, you know? And so we can believe what we can believe. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, that that draws us into other areas of our, our our other institutions, especially the the politics of today in the last five or seven years. Those, you those said say, you oh, this is going to go there. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm just that's as far as I'm going. OK, I'm not going in any further. I'm, I'm backing just, out of the I'm water. Just, I'm just backing totally. out of the water um, because it, it comes from all quarters. And then, of course, there's the I don't believe any of them. They're all absolutely nuts. They they are all self-interested individuals who are involved, despite what they might say. Uh, you don't go into that arena without uh, without a, a pretty good size ego. OK, 
Now, in my business, yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I will be free, first to admit that, yeah, I've got a pretty good size ego, but I also recognize that, for example, Kelly, you and I would not be here talking right now for, if it weren't for two things. What's that? Number one, and this goes to the point, I owe my being here with you right now to thousands upon thousands of people not who have been listening, who have been instrumental in the formation of who I am today. Agree. Okay. And I recognize that I did not get here by myself. Mm -hmm. Of course. And that is, that is one of those aspects that I'd like to talk about too. Now I want to remind people we're talking with uh, Kelly McDonald. She's got uh, four books that we're talking about and we're kind of going all over the place. (laughs) <laughs> but the key is who are not like us. Okay. People not like you is sort That's of the, the theme. Foundation. That's the foundation. Not yeah. like you. Now I won't, I'm not going here, but when I, when I would read about or hear about when I was a kid growing up, these conflicts around the world and they've been going on since man's been here. And unfortunately sure. they may continue until either we annihilate ourselves or we finally uh, come to, to our senses yeah but the thing that went through my mind was wait a minute wait a minute okay they may be a different color or uh, have different beliefs on the outside but when uh, and i forget who said this as far as the maybe it was shakespeare if you cut us do we not bleed red blood we don't have vulcans on this planet as far as i know <laughs> who, who, who who blade green it's red we all have red blood now, there may be different types, but it's still red. And, uh, you know, I thought, how is it that these people and this? I was a kid thinking this. Mm-hmm. How is it that these people aren't getting this? Mm-hmm. And, of course, now I understand why they're not getting it, because their egos get in the way. Mm-hmm. Do that? Does that happen a lot in your uh, and I'm going to guess that you have more of a uh, an energetic dynamic when you're live in person with people. Oh, sure. And you get that energy, that negative energy from the audience in certain yeah. quarters that's just Literally. not wanting to hear what you are saying. Well, I very rarely feel like negative energy. What I sometimes feel with an audience, and it depends. I mean, most, I, I mean, I get hired because my topic is wanted okay so i'm not usually walking into a hostile audience what i do find is some people have and i'm going to act this out but it's actually just you know metaphorically or mentally or whatever i do feel like there's some of this richard you know where like the arms are crossed and they're Mm. like okay yeah i'm going to get some lecture now about you know diversity and all that um and that's why i actually framed and in fact began my speaking career 21 years ago talking about people not like you because I didn't want it to be the D word diversity. I think that's too narrow in most people's minds. They tend to default to race, ethnicity, age, gender, sexual identification. And I personally feel that while those things are maybe part of all of us, they're not the only things. And so I was looking at it from a business standpoint, okay? Not from a psychological or sociological standpoint, but just from business, because that's what I do. I get hired by businesses and organizations who wanna do better and be better and move their business forward, make more money, sell to more people, have more loyal you know, customers and all that, and, and better employees. And what I found is that you can grow business 
by reaching the people that you're not getting, but you could be. And typically those people are the ones that are outside of your core customer group, you know, and whether they're older or younger or they're retirees or they're college students, I mean, pick any way that we can be different. And that's what I started talking to people about is let's just focus on people not like you. So, um, it can be as simple as things like an introvert is different than an extrovert. So if you're in a meeting with both kinds of people, you don't put a spotlight on the introvert and go, what do you think? You know, mm -hmm. because they might actually freeze with that kind of attention on them, or they might be very self-conscious. And what you're going to get is maybe not a well thought response, et cetera. And, you know, a mom is different than someone who doesn't have kids. And mm -hmm. so, we may look the same on the envelope, you know, like I'm a white woman, um, older, middle-aged. I used to call myself middle-aged and I'm really wondering if I can actually get away with that anymore. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, what's the definition cutoff of middle-aged? Um, you know, but I, I don't have children. And so I could stack myself up against another woman who's white, a woman, middle-aged, lives in the same zip code, makes the same household income. I mean, we could be the same, 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 but if she's got kids and I don't, we're going to be fundamentally very different because I don't have the pressures and priorities on me that someone who has to make decisions for a family does. And it's just that simple, right? Or, um, you know, look at even like North and South, you know, somebody who's from one of my best friend is from the South and she from Louisiana and she has literally that Southern belle manners and charm. And, you know, you take uh, someone from New York and they're going to be a lot more rapid fire and brusque. And they are the same, you know, genuine people that you want living next door to you. They're just, their mannerisms are different. And so I like to think about people not like you because every one of us is working with somebody who's not like us. I mean, it can literally be in a business. It could be someone in sales is very different than someone who's in the accounting department. You what know? are the, no, go ahead and continue. I, I, no, I I'm just, I'm just kind of framing that. And so I don't really find hostile. I mean, I really don't. What I find is sometimes people think what I'm going to talk about is different than what I actually talk about. They think they're going to get a diversity lecture mm. and they're tired of, you know, shame and blame or some kind of lecture. And they're like, Hey man, I, I didn't do anything. I just, I just work here. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and what I try to do is show, look, we're all equal, but we're not the same. We're not the same. And yeah. so if I can share insights with people about how to reach someone more effectively, whether it's a customer, whether it's your boss, whether it's your board of directors, I mean, we have to navigate the world that we're in and especially in business by listening well and giving people to the extent that we can what they want. So just a quick example. I had a boss one time who was very, very methodical in his thinking. So if I wanted to do something or I was presenting him with something, he needed like three or four days to think about it and sleep on it and come back to me and say, hey, do you have any more information on this? I mean, he was not someone who made decisions lightly. And so I adapted to his style of work. Then I changed jobs and I go to work with a guy who is the polar opposite. I mean, he was like ready, fire, aim. And so like the first time I was ever presenting something to him, he was like, good, go with it, Kel. You got it. Go. Let me know how it goes. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Don't you want to like know a little bit more about it? And he goes, nope, I trust you. Go. And so <laughs> I had to adapt to that. And the point is, it was kind of the same job. It was kind of the same um, environment. But these two people operated so differently in business and they weren't going to change. I had to adapt to them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that hard. 
but it yeah. was a very it was a profound moment for me where i realized like if i want to get the best out of my boss if i want to get the best support the best resources you know make the best decisions we succeed then i have to work with his style or her style because that what that's what works for them yeah and so it was a really easy thing to do it yeah. wasn't that big of a deal and i yeah. but you don't know the if, if you don't pay attention to those kinds of things and go, okay, what am I working with here? Am I working with someone who loves to socialize and we're going to play, we're going to do business on the golf course because they want to spend the afternoon and yes, we'll mix in a little business and that's how it's going to get done. Or am I going to sit down at a conference table with somebody and they go, all right, here's what we're doing. What's it going to cost Kelly? And, and, you know, bam, 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 you know, mm -hmm. and no, no niceties, no social, like that's, they don't have time for that. Yeah. I can adjust. And then we all have those moments when that's all we want. Well, I need to get to the bare bones here because I'm, I, I'm on a deadline or I've got another meeting or what have you. I worked with the boss who, uh, and, and I guess I adapted too, because I didn't care that he lived by the, uh, the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I thought how strange, and this was at the Christian radio station, this, this boss, my boss, that's that. And he even said, to, yeah, the law of diminishing returns. Don't put out any more than you expect to get back up. Oh, and I've not lived by that at all mm -hmm. um, and so forth. And that's 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 a, a different kind of challenge. There's another word, too, by the way. You're not a fan of the the, the diversity concept and so forth. Oh, or I am. The word. The, no, well, no, no. I mean, I'm in a terms of fan of it, but I just find a more palatable way to present it to people. Exactly. Okay. Well, you know, you've heard the word tolerance, right? Sure. I don't like the word tolerance because within that word is judgment. I'm going to tolerate you. I agree with you. And I never thought about it like that. And I use You're the word Richard, you know, acceptance I mean, judgment. Yeah. Well, huh. I, I use the word acceptance. Now that does not mean that I agree with you, right? That I'm on your side of the aisle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It means I accept you and your perspective mm -hmm. as just that, your perspective. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm mm -hmm. just saying that's your perspective. And I might want to talk to you about it, yeah. but you have the right to believe what you want to believe right. and be who you are. But there's no judgment in that concept yeah, I like of that. acceptance. You just taught me something. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Okay. Steal hey, it. it's, it's yours. Just... Uh, just uh, send the checks to <laughs> for sure. <laughs> One of the, the other things that I find interesting um, is, is this aspect of, uh, for example, education. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in uh, people being educated, but not necessarily in the traditional I'm gone. I, I, you're going to go through 12 years of schooling, grade school and high school could be in the middle there, middle school, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to go to college for four years to uh, train, to find out what it is that you're going to do with the rest of your life. Then you're going to work for the next 40 or 50 years, mm -hmm. and then you'll retire. Maybe in the interim during that period, you might, uh, you might find somebody that you, you, uh, you will marry and you'll have kids and uh, so on and so on and so on. And then you'll die. And it's like my sisters, I have four of them, went to university. I love saying it that way. It's the way the British say it. They went to university. Yes. Like they went on holiday. On holiday. 
They actually <laughs> went to, I think the four of them all went to Arizona State University, mm. which at one time, and maybe still is, a party school, but then again, UCSB. Also the best journalism school in the country. Uh, Walter Cronkite uh, yes. School of Journalism, yes. absolutely. I wanted to go there and I did not go there and I was heartbroken because I was out of state tuition, so I didn't get to go. Well, but they went there. My brother and I, however, we took diverging paths. My brother, who worked for Disney, he's recently retired from Disney, and he's younger than me, and I haven't retired, but then I'm not planning on it. Uh, he went to DeVry for his electronics degree mm -hmm. and then went to work for it's Disney. It's a Voltech school. Yeah. yeah. We had one right there in Phoenix. Yeah. I, on the other hand, uh, I... Um, I went to uh, uh, work my first, I was in junior college. I went for three semesters. I found out about a radio reading service for the blind and visually impaired that was looking for people. Mm. And uh, I got hired in, on the 20, uh, 29th of August, 1979. I was 19 years old and I've been in this business ever since. Memory. The only <laughs> The only school for broadcasting, I ever attended was uh, the Ron Miller School of Broadcasting. It was a six-month course. And I jokingly say I knew more going in than I did coming out. Yeah. Um, because it, they, but actually the truth is they were very, very, uh, very good at working with what they had, which is where I learned the philosophy, work with what you have until you mm -hmm. get what you want. Mm -hmm. They would take an old stereo amplifier and the, these were engineers that were running this thing and they rewired it and turned it into a console for broadcasting so that we had another console. Yeah. So that's how diverse they were. Uh, but that that's my education. But then from there, it's been on the job. And I've learned from, again, those thousands of people who have brought me here to you. Oh, and the other element, and I want to talk about this if we can, uh, as um, uh, we are talking with Kelly McDonald on Tell Me Your Story. Uh, I'm Richard Dugan, and I want to talk to you, Kelly, about this uh, element that some people uh, might, um, you know, I, I, I certainly mentioned, uh, you know, change is, is, is the constant in the universe, but there's another, I think it's a constant that we have an opportunity to utilize and that's choice we're giving we're here giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true and so it's interesting when you look back even the choices that you made as a little girl and i made as a little boy brought us to where we are right now absolutely and that sounds a little weird a little strange to some folks but no it's true because each of the succeeding choices was based upon that first one and the second one and so on and so forth it's a uh, not a slippery slope. It's a cascade effect, if you will. I was going to say it compounds itself. Compounds. Good. I, I like that too. Talk to me about how you incorporate this aspect of choice, because I do believe it's in there when mm -hmm. you are talking with people about dealing with those who are not like you. That is a great question. And I'm going to tell you right now, Richard, no one has ever asked me that in that way, that clearly and directly. So thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love this question. What I think is a truism is that when we stay with people who are just like us, you know, believe, you know, in the neighborhood that we live in, go to the same schools or churches or houses of worship, um, look like us, you know, 
we can actually become sort of blind to the fact that somebody can be not like us mm -hmm. because we're never in contact with someone who's not like us. And so it's very easy to stay in a bubble of, you know, people who look like you and kind of have the same money and maybe the same values and all those different um, ways that we can be the same. And what happens is if we don't ever interact with people who are not like us, and I'm not saying like who challenge us or anything, but just are different than, than we are, it can actually end up becoming a, a fear-based thing, you know, becomes so foreign. And I mean that not as a foreigner, but as, you know, becomes unfamiliar to us that we don't know how. And I feel that that has happened in a lot of the United States where communities that were once like this, whatever it was, you know, you know, let's say a retirement community where everybody's old <laughs> and retired. And then let's say a young family moves in to that neighborhood and they've got kids and they're in their thirties and they're not retired, they work. That's a whole different kind of dynamic at work in that neighborhood, let's say. So we become a little less inclined to interact with people who are different from us if we're not ever confronted with anyone who's different from us. And I feel that the greatest antidote to prejudice is contact, all right? So have you ever heard this? I'm just gonna go there, because mm -hmm. you go there, so I'm gonna go there. Have you ever heard this? <laughs> I've heard this from like white people, you know, and they'll say something like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know, I, I, I got a neighbor, he's, he's a black guy, great guy, great guy, best friends, man, we always, you know, and, he, and they talk about it like it's a surprise that their neighbor is a great guy. Mm. And it's I think it's just because this is what I think. I'm going to bet that in those situations like that, that is the first black person that they've ever known. They might see black people or brown people, but they've never known them. And you get to know your neighbor and then you realize he's a great guy. Well, I sure hope your neighbors are great guys, you know. But people are people, and, and that seems to be the part that startles people is that when they meet someone or interact with someone who is not of their faith, not of their same skin color, not of their same sexual identification, whatever, and then they're great. I don't know what they expected, but what they end up finding is that people are kind and people are good neighbors and people are supportive and all these things that we value in other people, regardless of what the package is that that person comes in. You know, it's that envelope. And so I feel uh, it happens all the time, you know, people and there's movies about this, right, about how, you know, the family that doesn't know what other kinds of families are. And then they interact with someone that they thought they weren't supposed to like because their values or teachings were like that or they just had fear or trepidation and they become, you know, great friends or mm -hmm. there's a theme to it. And it's just it happens over and over again. And so I do feel and this is anthropological, I wanna make this very clear, is that if we end up gravitating to people who are most like us, that doesn't make us bad people. That's anthropologically how we're wired. Mm -hmm. Primitive communities of primitive peoples back in caves and stuff gravitated to people who were most like them because it meant personal safety and survival. I mean, literally our survival as a species depended on it because we didn't expect attacks from other from the people that we were in the cave with you know and things like that so the example that i always give is imagine if you will a chamber of commerce meeting and that and that not meeting let's say a social networking thing it's a cocktail party mm -hmm. and most of the people in the room are in their 50s and 60s they're the most active members typically in a chamber of commerce 
And so let's say you've got a whole, you know, 50, 60 people in a room having a cocktail, all in their 50s and 60s, all in business. And now let's say a 23-year-old entrepreneur walks into the room, wants to join the chamber and wants to socialize. The first thing that that person is going to do, and they're not thinking about this, they're not conscious, it's not a decision. The first thing that they're going to do is what I call the scan. The scan is they're going to look around that room and try to find the person who's closest in age. The likelihood that they're just going to roll up to a group of 65-year-old people is not as likely as if they you know, approach a group of people who are in their early 40s because it looks closer in age. They're not thinking about that. It's just what we do. Mm-hmm. So when we want to experience other people, other cultures, other beliefs, other perspectives, we have to kind of rock ourselves out of that because anthropologically we are wired to stay where it's easy. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was attending a women's conference not that long ago and, um, men were of course invited and included and while the audience was probably 150 women there were about eight guys there okay and they were welcomed and in fact i always think like wow you know good for you for for registering and attending an event that's marketed to women but of course it's open to everyone but the primary audience is gonna be women but it was so funny to observe these eight guys they didn't even work for the same company and they stayed in a bunch all day like they literally sat in the back of the room as as a group of eight you know, they didn't spread out or anything like that. They, they felt safety, I think, you know, with each mm-hmm. other. And when we were having coffee breaks during the conference or whatever, they kind of like all hung together and stuff. And I thought they're not even thinking about this. They're just doing what's most natural and most comfortable for them. Right. And yeah. so we have to kind of rock ourselves out of that and say, you know, I want to get to know you. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. I feel like tell me about yourself is the magic elixir when you're working with anybody or you know, even living with anybody who's different from you, because you shouldn't presume how they live, what they think or who they are. Tell me about yourself is very, is a very great conversation opener, because I find that people will tell you what they think is important that you know about them. There's another element too, I want you to to dive into, and you've, you've done it very eloquently here, and it may be the same thing. So we may pass by, but I hear this phrase a lot more these days of older folks who say, when I was a kid growing up watching TV, uh, I never saw anybody who looked like me. And it was really kind of disappointing. And I, I look back on my television watching myself and I'm going, that never crossed my mind. And it's not because, yeah, because okay, I'm was white. white, Richard, because well, everybody was white. Uh, but even when I saw people of other colors, okay, the Cosby never, Show. Yeah, the well, not just the Cosby Show. There was the Man from Uncle that Cosby was in, mm-hmm. which was way before, right. and, and and other programs where you had other folks. Uh, Nipsey Russell, for example, is another prime example, and Flip Wilson. Uh, and so forth. Uh, and and I, I would see these folks. I'm like, oh, it's just okay. It's just another person. Uh, I never really looked at it that way. And I have never used the phrase, oh, yeah, he's one of my black friends. I got a lot of black friends. I That's not me. Yeah. And yet I hear this all the time. And I'm wondering, is that still part of that same mindset? Or is that something different? Well, I think here's the reality. In when Jimmy Carter was president of the United States, 85% of the U.S. population was white and Christian, white and Christian, 
that's no longer the case. We're far more diverse. We have far more, you know, uh, different uh, uh, faiths and ethnicities and races and stuff. So I think what happened was producers of television shows and consequently the advertisers who paid for those shows and ran ads, they were going to the greatest common denominator, which is our audiences are going to be 85% white because that's the composition of the United States. And what we found is, of course, as the United States uh, demographics are changing, then so is marketing and so is advertising and so is the kind of content that we want to consume and that we find interesting because it's relatable to us. Mm -hmm. You know, we see ourselves in it or it's humorous or whatever it is. And so there's content for everybody now, absolutely everybody. And there, there, there's far more diversity that's expressed in pop culture music, television, sports, et cetera, because that's the composition of the United States. We all want to see people who look like us. That's what we relate to, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, anybody can sell me a razor, but I'm probably going to just be a little more, you know, uh, this is happening in my brain, not consciously, a little more receptive to an attractive woman shaving her legs with a razor than I am just, here's a razor, it's 10 bucks. You know, we, we, we gravitate to the images that we can relate to. That's a, a number one rule in marketing is that people respond to images that they either see themselves in or what they want to be, because there's a big aspirational part of marketing as well. But it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing to think about how anthropologically we, we are wired. It's just something to be aware of and kind of go, okay, I don't know anybody who's Muslim. I think I'm actually going to, you know, make an effort to meet somebody i would like to learn about their faith i'd like to learn about them you know and or whatever it is but put yourself out there in these areas and positions where you're likely to come into contact with somebody who's not an exact replica of you and i feel like that's how we really learn and going back to your word tolerance that is how tolerance is fostered is because suddenly we don't we can't hold on to any prejudices anymore you know if you were taught that let's say i'm going to make this up jews are bad because you know, your faith teaches you that mm -hmm. it's not a real religion, whatever. And then your best friend is Jewish. It's pretty hard to negate that person. It is. It is. Because you know, there's so much more than that one dimensional thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, we are all a, comp a compilation of so many things and our experiences as well as whatever our labels are, mm -hmm. you know. And so um, I learn from people who are very different from me. And that may, might not mean that I like to do the same things that they do or, you know, that I even find them that interesting or whatever, but I'm a better person for just knowing their perspective mm -hmm. and how they see things. I think that uh, also this uh, uh, new technology that we now have available to us uh, called DNA testing has also <laughs> made a huge, huge difference. Now, I'm not going to say that it's 100% accurate, but what I will say is, they have no reason to lie. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I look like and so forth. And so they're just testing the solution I've sent to them. And it turns out when I was a kid growing up in Arizona in Phoenix, of course, we had reservation, Indian reservations around the, around town, uh, around the city, uh, you know, mm -hmm. on the outskirts. I never wanted to, uh, I never wanted to be involved with the native Americans because I felt like, Hey, I'm a white kid. And I have no business uh, imposing or getting involved because it's not my realm. It's not because I didn't like them and had right. some prejudice. It was because I don't belong there. 
Okay. That's, that's private. That's their thing. Then I have my DNA testing and I find out uh, I didn't need to do that because I, my DNA shows that I have a large percentage of North Central and South American native native, um, Indian in me, but I'm also 1% uh, Eastern European Jew. And I have a great affinity for Judaism. And I'm Um, like seven things. Yeah, I literally, people are. What's your nationality? And they think I'm Irish because of my name, Kelly McDonald. It's mm-hmm. an extremely Irish name, but I'm like that. That's like the small one of the smaller pieces of me. Yeah, me too. I, I was disappointed it's, in it's one not sense. Reflective of my <laughs> my lineage, really. You know. Well, so. but I'm wondering if if for some, not all, because some people they may get it tested, and I don't believe them, and they just they just ignore what they've been given. Um, or they but, find out they have six brothers and sisters that they didn't know. They and had. they have, yeah, that too. <laughs> but they also find out that part of them is something that they have abhorred that they they right. did just tolerate. You know that no, they were in my neighborhood, and I I tried to avoid them because of and because of prejudice. Yeah, yeah, the prejudice exactly. But I think it's also opened a lot of people's eyes up <clears throat> to the fact that oh my gosh, we are a lot more not only alike than we are different but we're all we're a lot more connected than uh, um than than we ever thought so do you think that um that the dna testing in this regard if if we can accept that we can trust the results, the results okay <laughs> let's and let's let's say that we can for the moment okay yeah. we'll go on that perception <laughs> do I you think-, think that's helpful for folks I because i think it might startle some people they've never thought of themselves that way right they, they never realized that they were you know 1 16th native american or that they were whatever you know um they might be startled by that because that might not have been handed down in their family history which is usually verbally you know those stories of who we are are told by our parents or grandparents but i think it's a good thing because it does make people kind of go huh okay wow i didn't know that And I don't know what feelings people have about that, but I would just be, you know, sort of interested in if I learned something about myself that I never knew and never even considered, Mm -hmm. I would find that to be interesting. And then it's kind of, uh, you know, there's stories behind all of this where it might be like, oh, there's a piece of your DNA that was introduced because, you know, Farmer Joe and your sis, you know, and your great, great, great grandmother, you know, whatever. I mean, it just it's who we are. It's pretty hard to like hate your lineage. Um, kind of tough because, because we would be, we wouldn't be here without it. I think it's, um, I think it's a good thing. I think it opens people's eyes up to, you know, how did we all get here? And I think that, um, it, it, it's a good thing. I do. Yeah. I just, I think, I think it's to be Okay. To be fair though, I think it's also the, the technology and the science behind it is groundbreaking and it's wonderful to have this, especially when it comes to things like crime, you yeah. know, and, and you think about exonerated prisoners, someone who spent 30 years in prison for a crime they didn't do. And how do they get exonerated? Because new DNA technology shows that it wasn't them yeah. and you can, you know, so I don't think any moral person can, can poo poo that and think that that's, that that's right that somebody yeah. should spend you know half or a third of their life doing time for something that they didn't do thank god for that technology yeah. thank god but and i do yeah. think also 
that it, cha- uh, that it wrecks families. You know, I mean, we're kind of going off, you know, topic here or whatever, but we're, it does wreck families. I've, I've, I've known of people who have said, oh, I did that ancestry.com thing. And I found out <laughs> that I have two half brothers and, you know, and suddenly the family implodes around this information because it was never available before. So I think yeah. like any information, it can be used for good. It can be very startling. It can be disturbing. It can be, um, you know, distressing. Yeah. I, I, it just depends on how it's used. Yeah. But, but certainly we're all becoming, you know, more blended. Yeah. Well, my brother and I had a conversation when I was in my 30s. We were walking in the desert uh, uh, off from the Elks Lodge down between Coolidge and Florence, Arizona, where there was a family reunion. And uh, we got to the point where, you know, we both uh, admitted to the other that we both felt as the boys in the family uh, out of uh, the four girls that we were both uh, the black sheep of the family. We did not know that until we had that conversation. Isn't that interesting, yeah, yeah. You're- uh, and and so uh, up until the technology came along, you know, and and, and of course the DNA, of course, also reasserted too, because there was a there was a period of time in my adolescence, I thought I was adopted because I felt like I was so different from the the others five in the family, or from uh, outer space. Or from outer space could have been. And then, of course, the DNA comes back. And, of course, my mom had had hers tested. And boom, she was one of the first linkages that they sent me. Oh, you have a, you know, uh, someone, uh, a first or second level, so to speak, uh, who is. And it was my mom. I'm going, oh, okay, I feel better now (laughs) that I can put that to rest. Um, Let's uh, let's talk a little bit here about some of the other things uh, uh, we, you know, I, I I have been in managerial position most of my career uh, where I'm the operations manager, not the general manager, and I would oversee staff uh, and uh, I would hire people and so forth. And I will tell you that uh, when I was working for the Christian station and, of course, the, the broadcast industry was male dominated, I'll be honest with you, I tried to hire women over men for two reasons. Number one, I wanted the diversity of voices that we could uh, have on the air. And number two, the the women seemed to get what we were doing quicker than the men, than the guys. Okay. And so, uh, you know, now I had a bad experience once where I trained this one gal for, I don't know, five or six weeks. And then I I let her loose on a weekend shift and she absolutely butchered it. I mean, it was horrific that but she that's not because of her of no. her gender. It's no, 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 person, you know, yeah. no, 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 no. Had nothing to do with her gender. I take yeah. responsibility, too, because uh, I'm I was the one that trained her. Yeah. Well, she must have just gotten really nervous, as both it's men and it. women do. It has nothing again to do with gender. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, that was sadly because of all the time I had spent with her. The boss says, no, you, you got to cut her loose because she's, you know, th- we can't have that again. And there's no guarantee she won't do that again. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not to say that I haven't had my days where I've had uh, little problems, but uh, uh, but I lean in that direction for the longest time. And I'm not saying that I don't lean that way now, but now it's they're far and few between. Yeah. But in terms of leading people um, uh, who are not like you, I mean, there I am. I've, and a matter of fact, I had at one time, I actually did have, I had three, maybe four women on the staff. And we did what we did was we had eight hour shifts 
on the air. Uh, we weren't actually on the air. It was blocked programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, some of them worked on the weekend. Some of them worked overnight, midnight to eight, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and so forth. And I had a few, I had a one or two, maybe three guys, you know, so we had a pretty good sized staff for what we were doing and all for all, all intents and purposes, we got along well, but each one had its own idiosyncrasies. And this was, this was the philosophy I want to share with you and have you dovetail off of this. I would teach them how I do it. And I would say, here's point A. Point B is the result we want. Mm-hmm. Now, you, now you've been trained. Mm-hmm. You can do it the way I have trained you to do it. Or you Get can do it. the same result in a different way. If you can do it standing on your head, uh, I don't care as long as we get the result. Uh, we'll wrap up with... Um, Taking a break here, as it were, and uh, letting you folks know that uh, Kelly McDonald is my guest. And uh, the website we want to send you folks to is mcdonaldmarketing.com. That's mcdonaldmarketing.com. Kelly, we will be linked to that website so that people can find out more about you. The books, the training, people want to get in touch with you because they want to learn more and maybe educate themselves. We encourage folks to do that. Uh, before we do let you go in this uh, last five minutes or so, uh, first of all, I want to thank you folks for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, and we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where we stream live at all of those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews and you can see Kelly's purple blouse and my brown vest (laughs) and so forth. Uh, And then you make your own determination. You can call it whatever color you want. It's up to you. Uh, We also, uh, if you can support us financially, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And we also ask that you go within and listen to that still small voice during this, the decade of perfect vision, where we ask you to go within to that quiet, peaceful, calm place and just just be there for a while. And maybe you'll get some insights and uh, and so forth. We encourage you to do that. And with that, Kelly, I ask my guests three final questions at the end of the program. And the first of those questions to you being the first time you've been on our program is, who is Kelly McDonald? Oh, uh, do you mean like professionally or esoterically or okay? Whatever comes to mind, go to right now, go with your intuition. <laughs> all right, right now, because everybody changes. Right now, Kelly McDonald is an optimistic, passionate business person who boxes, not kickboxing, who boxes in her spare time and is learning to play the cello. And really cool. Inside. Yeah, that's it. What's number two? Number two. What is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to foster familiarity, acceptance, and reduce fear in working with people not like us. I just think it's it's the way the world is. And I think we as people benefit from it. Business benefits from it. We all benefit from it. It's nothing to be afraid of. And finally... And I ask this with the preface, I hope you get the movie reference. What was your best day? 
Well, I have to say I don't get the movie reference, but my best day, like ever, I've had a lot of best days. <laughs> I would say one of, well, I, this one comes to mind, so I'm going to just go with this as, you know, is when I took a trip to the Redwood Forest, mm. and I'm a tree person, and I just felt a very strong pull to, I need to go see those trees, those incredible trees, and I just flew in there on a Friday night, spent all day Saturday in the Redwood Forest. It was cold. It was rainy. It was misty. It was March. Nobody was there. I had the Redwood Forest myself, and it was one of my best days, and then I flew home. I think that my wife, who has been pushing me to go up to the Redwoods with her, I guess we're going to have to do that. You got to go. I know. There's no picture that you will ever see that that is that does it justice. You can't see the top of the trees. They're just they're so incredible. Please go. And I know you have to go, so I want to thank I you do. once again. Oh, by the way, the movie reference is the first movie, City Slicker, with Billy Crystal. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. You're thank accessing you. ancient memory here, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank, thank you, you again for, for giving me. us so much time, and I thank you folks for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. And until our next broadcast, podcast, video cast, love to lol. Jeanette, I'm still listening. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. Smokey, I'll see you on the other side. And to Zorro, aho, aho. <laughs>